today we're thinking about not how to train a dragon, how to train a husband, how to train a child, how to train a teenager, but how to train a Christian and how to train a Christian. Let me pray for us as we do that. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much that you have given us your word. And thank you that your word contains everything that we need for life and ministry. And Lord God, thank you that we can set aside this time and we ask that this will be a useful time to us now. That you may use it, Lord God, and your spirit may move among us to help us understand more about what it is to train. And Lord, Holy Spirit, we invite you to train us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay. If you look in the scriptures to how to train a Christian, you might start in the Old Testament and you might ask the question, how to train a Joshua? Now, you remember Joshua? Joshua had a uh, senior person or a mentor in who? Moses. He was Moses' assistant and Moses trained him up to lead God's people into the promised land. And we see that story and hear about that story in the Old Testament. So there was a kind of an apprentice discipleship model happening there in the Old Testament. And I asked us a question when we did that series a little while ago. Who is your Joshua? And I was trying to get you to identify, identify who you could be a Moses figure to. Now it doesn't mean you need to have a staff or a beard to do that. It just means that you have to be willing to actually have an apprentice. And I kind of wanted you to identify who could be a Joshua to you. So, and they don't need to be, again, a born leader, but just a potential apprentice or trainee. And I, I encourage this for all of your Christian life, generally, who could be your Joshua, but also specifically for the ministry that you might be involved in or have been involved in or are involved in. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament can help us in that. When you move to the Gospels, you might uh, think when we move to uh, the true Joshua in Jesus, and if you study Jesus' life, you can actually see the pattern which he used for discipling people. And uh, the methodology that he used for ministry. Our friends from Ambassadors for Christ helped us to see that uh, Jesus did that, and in the model that he used, he, he trains people as part of one of those steps. So if you just look quickly here, you see that Jesus connected with people. He want, connected with different groups of people at different times. He wants to win them to his cause and to him. And then once he's won them, he builds them up in the faith and the trusting. And then he trains them for a certain role and then he sends them on and sends them out. And so we see that uh, train is one of those five stations in the strategy of making and multiplying his followers. And that's our mission at ABCH. We say to make and multiply his followers, and we use this strategy and think about this strategy as well. But when you get then to the rest of the New Testament, you might ask the question, how to train a Titus? Titus... Uh, was connected to the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul's assistant and Titus was being trained up to lead the people who live not in the promised land, they may have thought they were, they are on the island Crete in the middle of the Mediterranean in the, isle, uh, in the Greek islands 
But how to train the Christians there on the islands at that time? It wasn't a holiday destination at the time. But there was a mentor-mentee relationship or model happening there that we see in the New Testament. And again, I want you to identify who you could be a Paul figure to. Now, you don't have to be a great theologian to do that. Just again, a willing, um, willing to take on an apprentice and identify who could be a Titus to you. And again, they don't need to be an active leader, just a keen servant, someone who's ready to serve. Now, the training and, uh, the training and teaching concept uh, we can see in, in Titus. And I really want to ask you today, who is your Titus? And for you to think about that. In Titus chapter 2, if you uh, turn to there and just have a quick scan through chapter 2, you see this training and teaching concept. Paul, he's uh, trained Titus. And he says to Titus to train the men, the women, uh, for the women to teach the younger women, and him to go on to teach the younger men. And so you see that at the very start of uh, that chapter 2 there. And if you've noticed in verse 4, the NIV actually uses that word train. Uh, the older women are to train the younger women. So we can keep asking this question question, who is your Titus? And I really want to impress that on you today. If you uh, can't remember anything, just remember that question as you head home. But if you flick back one page in your Bible, or on your screen there, you'll see that you could pretty much ask the same question of Timothy, how to train a Timothy. Timothy and Titus, similar relationship to Paul. Paul was a, a mentor to these, or the craftsman with, it, with his apprentice. Uh, to these two men in a similar situation. And we find, if you just look there in 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training. And so we see here that the scriptures, and we get an idea here, and the big clue is, that the scriptures is how we train people. Uh, but we'll continue to stick with this idea of who. But if you look at verse 17, and I like how the COV puts it. The COV version says, The scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of deeds. The scriptures train us to do all kinds of deeds. So, who can be, who's your Timothy? could ask you to identify who you could be a Paul figure to or identify who could be a Timothy to you. If you go back a little bit further in Timothy, 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, did you get all those twos? Yeah. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, what I, what I taught to you, then you teach to others. And here's the idea of the training mindset as Paul teaches Timothy and Timothy is to hand that on to reliable people to teach others. But here's a question for you. What, are you, what happens if we don't train? What happens if we don't train people? What happens to the church if we don't train people? Well, let's just start with music. We've sung recently. What happens to our music if we don't train people? 
Well, what happens? The same people kind of end up doing it and no one else gets involved and more work for less people. And those people get older and older and maybe the music gets older with them and or stays with them. <laughs> and we don't learn any more new songs, do we? Maybe. What happens if we don't train our ministry leaders? Well, then less people do the same amount of work and there's less people to pull from or to do the work. And then we might hope that someone comes into our church gathering that is trained to do it and you're relying on people coming who are already trained. And if they don't come, then you've still got the same problem. What happens if we don't train our youth? Well, no young people are involved in things. They don't feel like they are involved or part of things. The congregation, the church gets greyer. It's okay to be grey, isn't it? Proverbs says it's a crown of wisdom and, and glory. Uh, but if that wisdom isn't passed on, then it's lost. And it doesn't get passed on to the next generation. The National Church Life Sever has some great statistics for us. And we've got some great potential, did you know, as a church, as trainers. We've got some great potential as trainers. But it means that our average age is probably heading in the wrong direction. And if you were to work out our average age of our, and so we need to keep investing in younger people and training younger people, right? And training the next generation. What happens if you do train the next generation? Well, let me tell you a little story from the Moravian miracle or Moravian Christians, which were a bunch of Christians who lived in the 1700s in Germany in a rural area. Thank you, Graham, for giving me this book recently, and it was plugged recently in one of our church services. It's a little book with a lot of punch, and I'd encourage you to borrow it from me if you want it after me. But a quick story short is this group of Christians which started in Germany and started to receive a significant amount of persecution in Europe at that time. And they were led largely by a man called Zinzendorf. It's a good name to say, isn't it? I just like saying that. Say it with me, Zinzendorf. <laughs> well, you can read a little bit more about him. I didn't know much about him. But Zinzendorf was kind of the leader of this group and they trained up their people particularly in a 10-year period from 1732 to 42, and out of a community of about 500 people, they sent out 70 people to the mission field. That's what happens when you train people. And then think about the significant effect that that trained people had when they went to those different places that they went to as sent people, as mission missionaries. So who is your Titus or who could be your Titus and I want to move us now from the who to uh, the how how can we get training because you might be thinking that if you um, are moving along in that question and to finish off I've just got, I've got four I's for you and four S's uh, four I's and four S's to think about how can we get training first one is this First I is to identify. Uh, to identify who that person is, that means spend time in prayer and asking the Spirit to lead you to that person. Jesus, before he selected his disciples, you know what he did? He spent a night in prayer. And so I encourage you to do that. 
and spend time praying as you identify who could be your Titus. Secondly, then, you need to go to that person and invite them, don't you? And put an invitation out to that person and see if that's a confirmation that the Lord is putting on their heart as well and bringing you together. And invite them to go on this journey together. Thirdly, you need to invest. It's an investment when you are taking on an apprentice. Um, it can be, uh, it's a journey together, an investment together, because you're pouring into someone else's life. Jesus poured in specifically to 12 people's lives and more specifically to three people's lives in a kind of 18 months intense period. And it might be good to select a time frame when you do that with a person um, to, to, to give it a time frame that you're going to invest into and pour into them. And the last I that I want to encourage you in, in how to go about this, is in the Word. And that is 2 Timothy 3.16, which I encouraged you with and uh, mentioned before. Because uh, the Word is going to actually show us how to train. The Word is going to train us in the things, in all areas of life. And God's Word has the ability to do that. So that's the four eyes and how to do it. Helpful? Uh, it's helpful for one person. That's fantastic. Uh, the four S's to go along with that is, uh, firstly, the Spirit. This is the Spirit's work, and this is the Spirit's doing. So uh, as I've already mentioned, but identifying that this is the Spirit that is going to do this work, and so we've got to be calling out to God's Spirit for this work. And that it's the and it's God's spirit that works in the other person. So to actually see the gifts of the spirit which are given, and there are tools which you can help to identify not only your own gifts but the gifts that you see in others. Or there's questions that you could ask people, or there's conversations which you could have, like what I see in you is, what I see in you is, and you could share with that person what God's Spirit reveals to you or shows that, that you see in that person and how they might develop that. It's the Spirit's work. S is the first heiress there. Second one is sharing experience. So if you are going to take someone on that journey, obviously you've probably been on that journey for a little bit longer, so you can share some of the stories, some of the experiences of the Christian life. Thirdly, then, you share some of the skills to go with it. Skills that you've learnt in your Christian life that you can share with them and they can be trained in and that they can grow in. And then once you do that, you actually need to set them free to actually, you know, use those gifts, whether it's singing, uh, whether it's actually, you know, let them fly, so to speak, whether it's playing, uh, having a go at what they do at what you've trained them in, what you've encouraged them in. There's a real brief look over and a real fly through of how to get training. Hopefully that might be of some help for you. Hopefully it's not a thing that brings guilt to you. And I don't want you to feel guilty at this point, but I want you to move by God's grace. And I want to uh, remind you that it's not, uh, I feel like it's a duty but it's a gift that we get to train, that God involves us. You know, he, he could not use us, and He could do a lot better job, right? But He chooses to use us. 
and he chooses to involve us in growing others and mentoring others. And I want to remind you of Titus 2, 11 and 12, which says, and you can see there, uh, when the grace of God appears, he saves us. When you know about the grace of God, and you know his saving power, which we've reminded of in the supper, when you understand that he's rescued you from your sin and unrighteousness, then you can uh, be ready to train the next generation and pass that on. And his generosity, his grace actually trains us, uh, it teaches us, and it also trains us. And in verse 12, and I love how the ESV puts it, and I'll read that version to you as we finish off, thinking of the grace of God. 